Uh, in my home, as a child, uh, I don't know that we uh, were very intentional or thought a lot about Christmas, more so than maybe the week or maybe a couple weeks in advance. I remember Christmases when, when we didn't get a tree until the last week or so, and then as we got older, maybe we didn't even get a tree at all. Oh, time's just gone by and it's, it's gone. It wasn't an intentionality to it, but you leave childhood and, and circumstances change, and you marry people like Christina, my wife. And I'm married to my beautiful bride, and who is one who starts preparing for Christmas before November is even over. And from the day after Thanksgiving, right up till uh, Christmas Eve, is a journey of preparation for that culmination of that special day. The last two years, uh, this preparation has begun with us going down on the Friday night after Thanksgiving, immediately following Thanksgiving with a trip down to Washington, D.C. to find those in need and give them sleeping bags and socks and hand warmers and things that, that Christina has already uh, bought in advance from Costco and is prepared to give to these people. This last year, we were going out later than, than we had the previous year, and it was going to be uh, later in the night just because of some of the way our schedules worked out. And we've got some names of some places from, from Chad Holm, who works uh, with the indigent down in uh, Washington, D.C., and he had told us some places that we could go and find the, the warmers where some of the homeless would be. And one of the areas he gave us, I told Christina, I said, you know, I'm not so sure that is the safest place. Maybe we should just stay by Union Station and, and find some folk there. And Christina said, well, of course it's not going to be safe, but we need to go, and our kids will just learn. And so that's what we do. We teach those things. So we went. Our preparation also includes for Christmas uh, daily readings from books, books with uh, spiritual lessons for the boys and us adults as well that lead up to the Advent. It used to be just one book. I remember a few years ago it was just one book that I had to read uh, on a day for the boys. Now it's grown to three books that uh, we read on a daily basis. And we're only supposed to do one reading a day. Christina is uh, a, a little more uh, organized than I am. And she, we're supposed to just do one reading a day, but the other day Christina wasn't home. And one of the books we're reading has this uh, kind of cliffhanger aspect to it. Even I'm intrigued by it. And we came to the end of that chapter, and it was uh, uh, kind of left me in suspense as well, and I said to the boys, mom's not here, do you want to read another chapter? And uh, so we read uh, another, another chapter, but Christina has all these things. She has daily gifts that she leaves the boys every morning at breakfast before she goes to work, and, and, and in the gifts is a call for some service to something to do for others. Some things are, are larger, like going to visit uh, the elderly. Some are smaller items, like this week I think there was one where she just encouraged the boys, remember this is a season of giving, and so today remember to hold the door open for people. Just as you go into places, remember to hold the door open for, for others. Some of you all have seen that, that elf thing, that elf on the shelf or whatever it may be. In our house, it's a, it's a shepherd on the shelf or a shepherd wherever. Sometimes it's hanging from lights or wherever it may be. And every Friday night, we read different prophecies about Jesus and his coming and his ministry 
And we light a candle representing that we're one week closer to the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And Christina has planned out all of this. All the gifts are already purchased. Well, all the gifts that she says we're going to purchase. And then some habits die hard. So my Christmas shopping will probably happen the last week right before Christmas as, as well. But everything's, everything's planned out. Preparation to celebrate Jesus. We are a prepared home. Uh, God desired the world to be prepared when Jesus came to this earth. He had a desire for, for humanity to understand the purpose and the meaning of that season and that time in history. To be focused on, on the ministry that Jesus would, ha- would be doing and, and would past be, be ministering unto them. The Lord informed humanity way back before his actual birth and began to prepare humanity all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. We see the first moment of preparation for this, and you can turn to Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Jesus begins the preparation for us to be to, to recognize that, that, that a Savior is coming. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, right after Adam and Eve had, had committed the first sins of humanity as they were deceived by the devil. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And then verse 15, this is the preparation text. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God already preparing humanity for a savior. Continuing throughout all the scriptures, God continues to to do this. Uh, In each book, it seems that there's a, a... Texts that that are for the purpose of preparing humanity for the Savior. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18 and verse 18, Moses wrote, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put uh, put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command them. Again, seen as a messianic prophecy. Then Isaiah wrote specifically about one who would be an individual that would be raised up to to prepare the people for Jesus. This this individual's entire mission would be to be a preparer. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, you can turn there very quickly, which was read by Eric just a minute ago. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, which says, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The prophecy came, this prophecy came more than 700 years before the preparer's birth. God was preparing the people for the one that would prepare the people. And then Malachi, right before the intertestamental period, wrote in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Both these passages are are speaking of one specific man who was born a miracle child. Yes, there are two miracle children at Christmas time. Of course, one appropriately gets more of our attention than the other, but there were two miracle children. And the one uh, purpose 
was to prepare the way for the Lord. And we can read about his story in Luke chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, the third book of the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, or verses 5 through 17, sorry. Birth of John the Baptist. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years." Now, while he was serving as priest, as Zechariah, before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of the incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and, fell, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness, but not only you and Elizabeth will be joyful and glad about this son, but many will rejoice at his birth for this reason. For he, verse 15, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. He was just a baby, a miracle baby, but already he had a mission to turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And in Matthew, back in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, we see that this is exactly what he did. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of, his, of heaven is at hand, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And I was uh, blessed by your daughter there. She's a little theologian. She she knew the message of John the Baptist, repent. And when we said, what does repent mean? She not only said to ask forgiveness, she said, to turn away from your sins, which is uh, what we always say, you know, repentance is more than just saying, I'm sorry, it means to turn away from your sins. Maybe we got a future theologian and preacher right down here, uh, and we are appreciative of that. But that is what John's message was. He was the preparer. Why is preparation so important? I'm sure there are many reasons why preparation and why John's mission was important, but I thought of one specifically. As we are a people, and we are a society that, that experiences the frantic pace of life in a whole different way in this season especially, with all the extra concerts and the extra lights and the extra activities and the extra food and the extra parties and the, the extra shopping. We are a people that live in a season in which there is the potential for much distraction. 
We are a society that, that, that has the potential to, to lose sight of the overall purpose of this season. Though I loved Christmas as a child, to me, Christmas was primarily about just a couple things. One was getting G.I. Joes when I was younger, or maybe as I got older, getting a, a set of baseball cards. And honestly, the other most important thing to me at Christmas time were the Los Angeles Lakers. Because they play almost every Christmas. It's good to choose a good team or a team in a big market that's on TV every single Christmas. And they are on again this Christmas, although I probably won't be watching them this year. But, but those were the things. That's all that mattered to me about Christmas. I got some gifts and I got to watch the Lakers. I was a happy kid. But that is not the, the focus and the purpose of Christmas. The preparation that Christina makes in our home, the daily stories with spiritual lessons, the deeds that, that Christina has the boys do from, from our deliveries to the homeless, to visiting the elderly, to just opening a door, to writing cards for, for, some other, uh, for some individuals in our neighborhood. The Friday nights with the Bible open and reading the prophecies about, about Jesus' coming. And then, of course, that last night when we read through the entire Christmas story and the entire Christmas narrative, all the preparations have been, not just for the boys, but they've been for me as well, a helpful thing to remind me of the true value of Christmas, the true focus of Christmas. The preparations give knowledge and focus to the true meaning of the season. In a similar manner, God wanted to give context to the true meaning of Jesus' mission when he came to this earth. God was, was, was desiring to give to humanity prior understanding so that they wouldn't miss the big idea of why Jesus was coming to this earth. John wasn't just coming to tell people that Jesus was coming. John came and, and, and was preparing the way so that they would understand the focus of Jesus' mission the salvation of humanity. This is why John the Baptist was sent. John's own dad, if you go back to Luke chapter one, go back to Luke or forward to Luke chapter one, in verses 76 and 77, John, John's own father, Zechariah, when he looked upon his boy, he began to prophesy, and he prophesied about the Messiah, but then the prophecy shifts to his own son in verses 76 and 77 of Luke chapter 1, and he says this, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, and how was he to prepare their ways? To give knowledge of salvation to his people, and here's a key line, in the forgiveness of their sins, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in forgiveness of their sins, or if you're in the New King James, by the remission of their sins. Just as we can lose sight of, of what this season is supposed to really mean and what this season is supposed to really remind us of in the midst of the, the materialism and the, and, the, and, and, and the spectacle of what Christmas has become, the people of Israel had forgotten what the real purpose of the Messiah was for. Not only did they not recognize that he was coming, but they didn't understand why, fully understand the true reason why he was coming. You see, God's people saw the need of a Messiah for the purpose of delivering them from the dreaded Romans. 
They saw the need of a Messiah for the purpose of delivering them from their oppressors and their foreigners. They saw the purpose of a Messiah so that, so that he would restore their, their land and their territory. But, God, but John was sent to give them the true understanding of salvation. As the commentator Godet says, the very notion of salvation was falsified in Israel and had to be corrected before salvation could be realized. The true enemies of Israel that they needed to be delivered from were not foreigners or oppressors. The true enemy to them and the true enemy to all of us that deliverance is needed from is our own sin, our own sin. John was trying to prepare their hearts to really hear the message that Jesus would deliver. Not just that they would know that Jesus was coming, but that they would actually hear the message that Jesus would deliver. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people for the forgiveness of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet onto the way of peace. John's mission was to prepare people to understand that, that the salvation they needed was not from some other oppressor but was from the own, their own sin and the oppression of sin. And that this would only come through Jesus, who shines light on dark hearts and who leads us in tumultuous times in the way of peace. This is what John was preparing the people for. A people who had the scriptures that testified of this truth, but who in the climate and the culture of the era had lost sight of the true meaning and the purpose of salvation. Much like at times we risk being a people that in the climate and the culture of the era lose sight of the true meaning of why Jesus came to this earth for us. We don't have John the Baptist, but but can the story of the preparer maybe remind us to pause and think about how maybe we can be more prepared to hear from Jesus in this season as well? Maybe in a different way. Maybe to, to pause and to, to say, Jesus, for some reason you speak to us in a different way in this season. I'm not one that believes December is more holy than any other month. I don't see this as a holier month than the other 11 months of the year. In fact, we know, we understand that, that Jesus wasn't even born in December. If that's news to some of you, I apologize for that little moment. But we, under, we, we, we generally understand this, that, that Jesus was not even born in December. We understand some of the roots of, of, of the origins of Christmas, but, but for whatever reason, God has used this season and this time to reach people. Study after study shows that, that people's minds turn towards God and spiritual things in this season unlike any other season in the year. More people make decisions for Christ in this month than they do at any other time in the year. 
More people will attend churches than at any other time in the year. Six out of 10 Americans say that they will visit a church during the Advent season. And 57% of those, that the three out of 10 that, that didn't say they are attending church, 57% of those said we would attend if someone would just invite us. Hint, hint. Go ahead. We have three more services in this Advent season. Glad to have you invite someone. For whatever reason, God seems to speak to people. Even the nuns. Have you heard, the, you've heard about the nuns? Those people that, that, that are described as, as, as having no religious affiliation? And they, they're self-described as, as how, how, did, how did I read it in one book about the nuns? Believing nothing in particular, which I don't know how you believe nothing in particular. Um, but 30% of them, in a study that was done last year, 30% of nuns plan to attend church in the Christmas season. And of these nuns, people that claim to believe nothing in particular, when they were asked what was the primary reason for why they are attending a a, a worship service in the month of December, guess what their answer was? Because of Jesus. People that believe nothing in particular. So whatever it is, out there in the world, God uses this season to engage people. And I think probably it's true in this room as well, that God uses this season to to minister to us in a different way. And maybe there's something that Jesus wants to communicate to you in this, this special season. And wouldn't it then make sense that if Jesus wants to communicate to us or remind us of his special coming, what he has done for us, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense that then the devil wants to distract us from that? The devil wants to, to distract us with with the worry about the extra money we're spending. The devil wants to distract us with how busy this Christmas season is. The, the devil wants to distract us with, with the abundance maybe even. The devil wants to distract us with what we're thinking about in regards to ourselves. What am I getting? Are my kids gonna like this or this or that? The devil wants our focus to be somewhere else. Yes, intellectually we all know the real meaning of Christmas, but maybe it isn't really our focus. Can we think of John the Baptist and maybe take a minute this afternoon, take a moment this afternoon or, or this week, this month, to ask Jesus to prepare our hearts for him and for his message. In this season when it is easy to be distracted by so many things, can we, can we pause and, and ask the Holy Spirit to, to prepare us to truly hear from Jesus? In this nation of abundance, or the desire for abundance, that we beca have become so distracted from what really matters, can we be reminded that, that Jesus really is our greatest need. And our need, just like those people that Jesus first appeared to, is not for more gifts and not for a better life in this earth per se. Our greatest need, like their greatest need, is to understand that we are sinners in need of a Savior. 
We know this is why Jesus came. But are we focused on that reality? Are we prepared to hear from Jesus this season in a special way? The preparer, John the Baptist, who reminds us this season of joy exists. This season of joy and abundance and everything else exists. Not for the presence, not for the lights, definitely not for the Lakers. The season exists because we need Jesus. We still need Jesus. They didn't need the Christ child for pretty songs, pretty lights, or pretty gifts. They needed the Christ child to save them from themselves. We still need Christ to save us from ourselves.